right. Well, good morning, good morning. How we doing? You still doing good? Still doing all right? Good, good, good. It's good to see all of you here today at church. And um, uh, Jonathan, you want to give me a look, a little bit more volume? I'm trying to lean back on the old vocal cords a little bit. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, welcome to church. Excited that you're here. Again, we are, uh, in case you're just joining us online, we are starting or continuing our series Family Talk today. And but before we jump into that, I wanted to say one thing, give you a quick announcement that uh, every month on the third Sunday of each month, we have what's called Next Steps class. And this Next Steps class is to really help uh, any of you who are kind of kicking the tires of the church, you know, kind of, is this a place I want to kind of maybe start attending or be a part of, uh, or, or maybe you've been here for a long time and, and you're ready to take your next steps. This is a wonderful class for you to come in and, uh, and learn you know, who we are, what we're doing, and how you can be a part ultimately. Uh, so we'd love to invite you to that class next Sunday, immediately following this service around 11.15 or so. Uh, all in all, it's about a 45-minute class. And again, you'll be able to kind of just kind of get a feel of, of what's going on here at Northwood Church. And so I'd love to invite you to that. Again, next week, 11.15, um, if you've got uh, kids with you, we have our, our kids ministries that continue to serve through the, uh, the end of that class for those who are in the, in the class. And so, so, you know, you'll have childcare available and some snacks and all that good stuff to hold you till around 12, 12.15, somewhere up in there. So, uh, so love to invite you to that next week. So here we are, family talk. Again, we have been uh, sort, of, sort of looking at the concept of family uh, from a couple of different angles, one of which is how we are the family of God, all right? We don't believe that church is just some sort of organization. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a, it's a family. And if you read the word, that's how the church is described and talked about. And, and so there's different dynamics that apply to the church and to our home life. All right, now we have a lot of different families. We have families of all sorts of makeups and, and different, you know, we've got uh, single parent homes. We've got uh, single people who live, you know, maybe by themselves or with maybe another family member. We've, we've got all sorts of different types of families. And so some of these concepts that we're talking about apply in every single facet. And also like today's message, we're gonna be talking about communication it applies to literally every relationship that you have in your life. Every single one of them. Family, friends, coworkers, school, like wherever you go. I mean, even if you go to the store and interact with a human being, okay? You've got, <laughs> there's certain uh, elements that apply in all of these things. And so, um, so we wanna talk about that. We wanna talk about it from a biblical standpoint. And uh, I believe it's gonna help you. I believe it's gonna help your families um, because family's a big deal. It's a big deal in our society. Uh, family is not just our society, but I believe all since the beginning, family has really been under attack. Family, the, the institution of family. God, God has created certain institutions, two of which is the, the church and the family, and consistently throughout history, <clears throat> the the makeup of the family, the, the, uh, the, 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 you know, I guess even the, the things that make up a family relationally have been under attack. And these things aren't, attack, aren't under attack necessarily because somebody decided to one day attack these things. They're under attack ultimately because everything that we are as people is affected by sin, by sin. And, um, but I believe that the, the family is the backbone of society. I really believe that. I believe that you can look back in history and you can look at different nations, uh, people groups, and you can see that whenever the family was intact, all of society was in a better place. Not perfect. There's never been one perfect society, okay? But in a better place. And as the family begins to crumble, so does everything else. And um, uh, research actually shows that the family is the first form of community and government and as one person put it, the first best and original department of health, education, and welfare, right? Look, I am grateful for the, the nation that we live in. I'm grateful for the, uh, for the things that our government is able to do to help out people who are in uh, rough spots in their lives. And, and I, think it's, I think it's wonderful that we have a society that even is charitable, Come on, that even, I mean, look, like I get that some people play this system in regards to taxes and stuff and, and they donate to charity just to get a tax break. However, isn't it wonderful that in our society that we even have that type of thing happening? If you don't know, go to a country that does not have that in its culture and you'll feel it. 
I went to a country last a uh, couple of years ago, and um, man, there was nothing like that. All right, and, and very, very poor, very broken. And I came back to America, and one of the first things I saw was I went to Firehouse Subs, and they had like this whole donate and to you know donate a buck or two to your meal, and it goes to all these wonderful charities. And I was like, that is wonderful that we have this element. So I'm just saying that in our, in our culture, we have this element of charity and, and, and trying to help those who are in need. But even in spite of all those things, the best first option is the home. Never gonna get past that. It's never gonna change. The best thing that a child needs is a mom and a dad. That's the best thing, right? The best thing that, that, that we all need is a support system around us of family. And, and so that's never gonna change. However, are there things that come into play that change up those dynamics? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, there's this quote from Confucius actually, and, and he actually famously said that the strength of a nation derives from the integrity of the home. So this concept of the home being a, a pillar in, in the society is, is not just a biblical um, uh, point, all right? It's not just something that Christians, we as believers believe. This is something that whether, wherever you're coming from, everybody agrees. Research shows that the home is important, that family life is important, but we've always been under attack. The family has always been under attack. The biblical definition of family has always been under attack. And so today it's no different, but why? Do you guys ever think and wonder why uh, the, the things that we believe biblically are always under attack? Well, I believe it's, you know, and even our relationships in our family, they're under attack. I believe it's because the enemy has a, has a battle plan, right? The enemy has a battle plan and, and this is how it looks. Number one, his mission is destruction. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the world. He wants to destroy the fibers of creation. That's just literally his, 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 his plan, his mission. His strategy is division. That's his strategy to accomplish that mission is division and his tactic in regards to our relationships, especially his tactic is offense. Is offense. Little bitty moments, little things that just, poke and prod and undermine and erode the foundation of our connection with one another. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Two completely different missions, one's destruction and one's to give life. So why is it so hard sometimes to engage in proper healthy relationships? It's because the enemy is playing off of the sin that's in our lives, right? And is, is eroding our relationships. And so if the enemy wants to destroy our relationships, one of the easiest ways to do so is to destroy the ability for us to communicate. You know, in war, one of the big things is comms. Communications. How is this, you know, this group of guys over here, how do they communicate to these people over here? And, and, and where's the airstrike supposed to come in at? And what, what's going on? And, and, and what happens is if comms go down, the, uh, the, the whole plan is thwarted. There's nothing, there's not, you can't do anything. And, and there's confusion. In every level of our life, if we can't communicate, then no matter what we're trying to do, it's not gonna go well because we're just not on the same page. We're not on the same page. And so today we're gonna to talk about communication. What is communication? It is the exchange of thoughts, messages, or information as by speech, signals, writing, or behavior. That's what communication is. And all of you know that, but how many of you right now, if you said, am I doing well at exchanging thoughts, messages, or information with speech, with signals, <laughs> with writing, or writing, <laughs> or behavior? Am I doing a good job in that? Now, I believe that we're really good at arguing. I believe that we're really good at that, guys. Arguing is not communicating. Ar arguing is not communicating. W why, though? Why? Sin. And, and I'm, I'm going to anchor that uh, into this message because it, it needs to be said. 
that, that the reason that things have broken down is because of sin. And if we go back to the garden, and I mentioned this a lot last week, so I'm not gonna go too deep into it, but with Adam and Eve, they had this connection with God. They would, they would hang out together. I don't know what that would look like, but I'm sure it was cool. And uh, they would hang out together. Well, whenever they disobeyed, immediately there was a break in their relationship. And then Adam and Eve, they go to hiding which was not very good for communication. And God had to seek them out. There was a break in their connection. There was a break in their closeness and their relationship and in, in, in their intimacy emotionally and spiritually. There was, there was a break there and it's never changed. It's never actually changed from that moment. There is a break in our ability to have proper relationships and have healthy relationships. And connection with one another comes through good communication. So if we're not good at communication, then we're not gonna you know, easily connect one with another or maintain a connection long-term. In a study, 100 mental health professionals said that the communication problems, that communication problems were the most common factor that leads to divorce. Now, that's not much of a, a mystery there. If you've been married for more than seven hours, you know that uh, communication in a marriage is very difficult, but also very important. And in the, the times that I've done premarital or marital counseling with, with people, without fail, this is one of the, the lowest things. It always is. It always, every now and then there's something that takes place that's, that's outside of someone's control. But typically speaking, most marriages struggle, most relationships struggle because two people cannot sit in a room together and communicate face to face. They can't do it. And there's a lot of different reasons why, but it's difficult. Communication is what gives you the ability to resolve conflict. So if you can't communicate, how are you gonna resolve conflict? You can't, you can't. And so this, this snowball effect begins to take place. Now, what's interesting for, for me is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, the way that I approach anything is I, I'm obviously a Christian. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I come at everything from a faith-based biblical standpoint. And so um, whenever we talk together about relationships uh, and, and say we sit together for a premarital or marital counseling, um, we might have this, we, we kind of have this evaluation that we go through and it kind of ranks where you're at in certain things in your life. And what's amazing, same thing with me and my, my wife, whenever we got married, our spiritual beliefs were like 80, 90%. Like I'm talking, like we believe the same thing. But yet whenever you look at the other things, which are actually where those spiritual beliefs play out, we were like rock bottom. You know what I'm saying? So spiritual beliefs, 100%. Conflict resolution, 2%. <laughs> Why? Because it's easy to believe something. It's a lot it's a lot more difficult to actually apply those beliefs, right? And another thing is this, if we're talking about family and marriage, a lot of times we do really good at communicating with people that we're not married to or, or family with. We communicate with the utmost love and respect to those people, but whenever we get around those that we're familiar with, guess what? We dishonor, we disrespect, we just, we lash out, we say things because we get familiar, right? And so uh, University of Washington conducted research on a couple of behavior on, on couple behavior before, uh, for 40 years. So 40 years of research on couple behavior. Concludes four types of communication problems that can lead to divorce separation, but honestly, again, apply to any of our relationships. Number one, criticism of partner's personality. You always, why do you always do this, right? Number two, contempt, which is what I was just talking about, dishonor, disrespect. Number three, defensiveness. It's gonna be quiet today, I can tell. <laughs> defensiveness, right? Somebody says something to you and you feel that thing go whoosh. And they're like, but you did this. Defensiveness. And then the last thing is just straight up stonewalling. Nothing. Did you know... Okay, so I'm a verbal processor. So the worst thing that you can do to me is say nothing at all. <laughs> Come on, how many, how many of you, like that's what gets you. Like I would rather you yell at me, like literally throw something at me. I'm fine with that. I'll get over that. It's not a big deal. But don't not say anything. <laughs> like say something, you know? Like it's so with me and Nadine, my wife's not, not as much of a verbal processor as I am. I'm like, let's talk for five hours. She's like, let's talk for five seconds. And if it's not resolved, let's visit it tomorrow, right? 
And I'm like, let's go. And I had to learn over the first few years just to straight up shut up. Just shut up, Jordan, you know? But the refusal to communicate at all is also very difficult. So, so we want to be good communicators. I, one thing that I know is this, is that each and every one of us, we want to have healthy relationships. I'm telling you, one thing that I've learned in the last few years is that ultimately 95% of people actually want the same thing. They really do, man. We want to have peace in our homes, peace in our lives. Uh, we, want, we want to have provision in our lives. We, we want to feel unity in our nation or unity in our family, unity in our churches. Like we, we really generally, we all want the same thing. Unless you're a, just this demon-possessed person who just hates everybody, you know what I'm saying? Most people, even those people that you think are that, they're actually, like if you could sit down and just talk to them one-on-one, they're probably a genuine human being who just wants that, believe it or not. I know it's, I know it's difficult to believe that because your enemies are your enemies, right? But, but we want to be good commu- communicators, right? But th- there's another really important reason why we should want to be good communicators and why we should, we, we should want to communicate well and use our words well. It's because Matthew says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So this isn't just like a self-help conversation. This is also a conversation that literally affects our eternity. Literally affects what, 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 whenever we stand before God, what, what we're gonna talk about. Like we have to give account for the words that we use and, and how we communicate. So like this matters a lot. It's, not also, it's, also, it's not optional for us as believers, right? Like people that are unbelievers, they can kind of get away with just, well, I just ain't gonna do that. I don't care. For us though, we have a higher standard. We have a biblical standard, a biblical mandate in our lives that it matters how we communicate. So why do we need to communicate? Why do we need to communicate? Well, effective communication brings understanding, promotes problem solving, provides emotional and psychological support, minimizes offense, projects respect, and adds great value to relationships. And I think we can all agree with that, that we need to communicate well for these things to take place so we can understand one another, we can promote problem solving, you know, all these wonderful things, and it adds great value to our relationship. But number two, we wanna have great conversations that ultimately glorify God and establish peace and maintain unity. And for me, the second point here is actually the one that challenges me the most, that encourages me the most to communicate well, is because I realize that I'm just not doing this for myself. I'm doing this so that ultimately in the way that I conduct myself in the relationships that I'm in, that, that ultimately I want God to be glorified and lifted up in the way that I interact with, with, with people. And this, this right here, for, for, you, for those of you who are believers, this right here should be a driving force in how you approach the way that you talk to people and interact with people. Now, I'm not speaking about perfection today. You could know every single thing that we're gonna talk about today and still miss it from time to time, right? So we're not, we're not talking about perfection, but we, we need to drill into the, the, the way that we're supposed to do this. Our, our goal as believers is to reveal Christ through our communication. Y'all remember last week, we talked about doing everything out of reverence for Christ. Everything, treating people out of reverence for Christ, out of what God has done for us, treating people in that way. And the same thing in the way that we talk. The same way that we talk. Man, am, am I interacting with people out of reverence for Christ? Sometimes you're in those moments and it's hard to think that but I believe it's something that we're supposed to set as a standard in our life. So that's, that's why we need to communicate. Number two is this, how do we communicate? How do we need to communicate? First, we must see people as created in the image of God, yet broken by sin. Come on, y'all, stay with me. We must see people as created in the image of God, yet at the same time broken by sin. Before you say a word, this is, what would it be like if we had this filter in front of us before we in, engaged with people? What would it be like before we said something to our, our, our friend or our family member that we love so much, but we want to hurt them so much in this moment? Come on. Nobody's going to amen me today because I'm going to say stuff like that. And you're like, no, I would never. I never want to hurt those that I love. You're a horrible person. Yeah, Whatever. Now, you might not know that's what's going on, but subconsciously, you're trying to throw a dart. 
You're trying, you know if you say it, you know if you say it, you know what's gonna happen. You know what's gonna happen, but you still say it. You still said it. I think in those moments, we forget that people are created in the image of God. They're image bearers. And also that person, even if they're wrong, right? Like they're broken. You're broken, but they're broken. And so you have two broken people by sin, inherited sin nature, right? Interacting with one another. Man, like what are the odds that we're gonna be able to do this well, y'all? You know what I'm saying? If both people approach the conversation with this type of mindset, you're already on the right foot. We have to start on this, 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 this foot. Second, we must actively listen. We're not good at this. We're not good at this. We must actively listen. So if I talk without listening, I am a poor communicator. If you talk without listening first, you're already, you're already a bad communicator to which most of you are like, well, I'm out. <laughs> That's strike one, two, and three. <laughs> we must actively listen. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. If you talk before you listen, it's gonna make you look dumb. You're gonna get egg on your face. How many of you, you ever got egg on your face? You said something too quick. You, know, you assumed what somebody was saying. You thought that you had it figured out and you're like, well, one, two, three, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's literally not what I'm talking about. You're so confident, you know? What, you're, you're listening not to understand, but you're listening to just to respond. It's a big problem. Active listening is listening to understand, not respond. So ask yourself the question, do, do I listen to understand or do I listen to respond? Do you have the words on the edge of your tongue waiting for them to just shut up so you could say what you want to say? You're not actively listening, right? And, and I know all these things so wonderfully because I'm really bad at them too, right? <laughs> Do I actively listen? Number three, we must use tactful speech. How do we communicate? Understand that people are image bearers and they're broken by sin. Number two, we must actively listen. And then number three, we must use tactful speech. Respond with measured words, measured words. If I listen without talking, I am a poor communicator. The stonewalling thing that we talked about, this is for you, those of you who clam up. If you listen without ever communicating back, reciprocating, bad communication. All of these things have to be operating in order for there to be progression in the conversation, in the communication. Again, in your work, in your family, in your school, with your friends, it doesn't matter. It applies to all of it. We need to have tactful speech. James 1.19 says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I do like how he said slow to anger. He didn't say don't be angry. He just said, be slow about getting there. <laughs> Little caveat, right? right? We're always looking to justify our actions. There's one for you. Slow to anger. No, typically if you're slow to anger, you don't actually ever really get like angry, angry. You know what I'm saying? You don't get enraged. But, but, but be quick to hear. Be eager to hear. Like be on the edge of your seat to hear what that person's trying to communicate to you, not on the edge of your seat to try to respond. Be quick to hear and then be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Now, I've always been really good and I'm try I think I'm doing better than I used to, but I've always been really good at being uh, slow to hear and quick to speak, right? Come on. How many problem solvers we have in the room today? Like you're, you're, a, pro you're a fixer, you're a fixer, right? Fixers tend to be the first one to say something. Like, well, I think that... Uh, you know, like, it's like somebody explains the problem. Hey, you guys, any ideas? I have an idea. You know, I have something I'd like to say. I think that we should, right? Like establish your, and a lot of times it's out of a pure heart. It really is. Like you, you genuinely want to fix the problem. But typically what that results in is uh, quick words, not a lot of listening, not a lot of processing, like just bam, 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 let's go. You know what that communicates to people around you? You're not listening. You don't care. 
You just want to fix the problem and move on with life and you don't really care about the way that they feel about it. Come on, there's so many, <laughs> there's so many things that it plays out with in our lives. But, but this is why the Bible says, man, you need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. It'd be better to, to, to lag back a little bit in response and make sure that you truly are actually digesting the words that are being spoken. By the way, just so you know, this scripture was out of James. Uh, next month, we are starting a series in the book of James. We're gonna be in James for, um, for three months. And so in case you wanna kind of start now reading through the book of James and kind of get ready for, for what's coming up, it's gonna be a good series. But whenever we talk about communication, there's a few W's of communication that are important, especially when we talk about response. It's the who, what, when, where, and why. Really, it's about wisdom and discernment in regards to if something goes down and there needs to be a conversation, who needs to be in the conversation? In your family, if something blows up, who actually needs to be a part of that conversation? Is it the whole family? Is it two people, right? Is it just the aunt? You know, she just need to be there or is it aunt and uncle? Like, I don't know, right? If something goes down at work, like, does that really need to be fleshed out with everybody or is it just a couple of people? When, did you guys know that if you are having a disagreement with somebody, the time to not have that conversation is whenever you're in a fit of rage. <laughs> I was kind of, that was a sarcastic statement, but some of you guys are like, actually, no, true. I'm typically in a fit of rage. And so don't have meaningful conversations whenever you want to throw something through a window. You know what I'm saying? Or sometimes you might not need to have that conversation whenever you're just at the bottom of the barrel. You're empty. You have no energy. You're fatigued. You've had a tough day at work, you've had a tough day at school, whatever the case is, and you come home and you're depleted. And it's like, now I'm gonna get in this, this big meaningful conversation that's really been needing to happen for about six months. But right now, today, this is when we're gonna, it might not be the best win. How about where? Where? For, for, for married couples, a lot of times, you know, you can kind of get, kind of get thrown into a meaningful conversation in the worst possible place with the kids hanging off of you. I said this a few weeks ago, but um, so we have a three-year-old and a nine-year-old and both of them do the same thing. Me and Nadine could be sitting in the living room on the couch with them all together for two hours and watch TV or whatever, just like not say anything. And the moment, the fraction of a second moment that I say, hey, babe, whoosh, like they all of a sudden have so many things to talk about. Mom, 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 dad, dad. Hey, dad, dad. I'm like, we've sat here in silence for two hours and now I want to have one small meaningless conversation. I just want to, just want to talk about what we're going to eat for dinner. And it's like, dad, mom. And then all of a sudden it's like, the time to have a conversation, maybe about a relational thing that's going on in your life might not be with the kids hanging off of you, right? Like you might literally have to plan a date to go on, to sit in a restaurant and hopefully the waiter or the waitress doesn't feel like they're a part of your family and they come and sit at the table with you. <laughs> He's like, what is this? Anyway, that's a rabbit trail I'm not gonna go down. You ever had it like, hey, so we'll be drinking tonight. We are not drinking anything. <laughs> Me and my wife who are finally away from our kids. Anyway, <laughs> y'all feel me on that, right? It might, be, it might be something like that. Maybe it's not a spouse, maybe it's a buddy. And you know what? You really need to have a meaningful conversation and, and like you have to set up a time and a place to sit down, maybe go get some coffee and then we need, we need to talk. Like there's a, there's a where that matters and the, the when and, and, and the why. There's a lot of wisdom and discernment that has to be used in these times. Proverbs 15:1. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A harsh word stirs up anger. Did you know that you can literally say the same answer to someone, but you could change two or three words and you could change your tone and they'll actually be able to receive it rather than the cutting remark, the quick cutting remark, it never ends up well. On social media, guys, listen. It's all you see is the opposite of this. <laughs> all you see is harsh words and anger being stirred up. Like just bail on all that. 
get out of that conversation. Because here's, here's actually what happens is you don't realize it, but you're being conditioned to do the same thing in your life. You think that you have like this separate personality that gets online and can kind of like engage in that. And then you can get out of that and get back into, you can't. If you're a troll on social media, you're gonna be a troll in real life. Like it's just, it just is what it is. Come on. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're being conditioned. And our culture is conditioning us to have harsh words with one another that stirs up anger every time. Let's be different. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as it is good for building up as fits the occasion, building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. This is a challenging scripture right here. No corrupting talk. Like, come on guys, let's, let's think about it. No speech that comes out of your mouth that can corrupt people or corrupt a situation. Corrupt a relationship. What a good prayer that we could pray today, huh? That I would say words that build up. That it may give grace to those who hear it. There's this concept in the Bible of grace and truth. And there's a tension that we deal with a lot of times of wanting to speak truth. But the reality is, is that if we can't speak truth with love, if we can't bring grace and truth, the truth is not gonna matter. It's really not. And Christians need to hear that a lot nowadays because culturally right now, there's a lot of changes that are taking place. And even in the church, the way that people see things, the way that see, people see societal issues and, and, and how the Bible applies to those societal issues, th- these things are, are changing. Some of which people think is literally like fixing problems and others think that it's, it's producing problems. And there's such a great tension here. And since we have an inability to communicate because we've been conditioned by social media so long, now we have these big issues that really need good communication. We don't know how to communicate. So there's literally an inability to fix what's going on. And the offenses are mounting. The division is mounting. And ultimately it's what destroys a nation. It's what destroys your family. It's what destroys relationships. So we're stuck in this cycle with an inability to communicate and transfer thought. And most people don't really care about grace. They only care about truth. But when you don't have a standard of truth, then there is no truth because it's completely objective. Subjective, it's, it's whatever you make it. It's whatever you want it to be. So how can we have a communication about truth whenever we can't even decide what, it's, what, what basis we're talking about? What's the common denominator? What's the foundation? What's the, what's the constant in the equation? There is no constant. It's a floating point. So therefore, total confusion, total chaos, total offense, total division, and it just keeps breaking down. Hope you guys are encouraged. All right. <laughs> Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with, be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So you may know. You can't control how the person responds to you, but you, ought, you know how you ought to respond. Come on, man. I, I'm preaching to myself right now. How you ought to respond. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter how they speak back to you. It doesn't matter how, what, what, what their tone is. Is your tone glorifying God? The last question I wanna talk about is how do I properly communicate? How do I properly, how do we actually engage in these things in a proper way? And I want you to think about this. It's sort of like, how do I go into a conversation with these four filters on, with these four lenses on? When you, you're you about to go into a conversation or maybe you find yourself at the, at the threshold of you're about to enter in. What's, what's some good filters to have? Number one is this, be open and honest. Be open and honest. With humility and grace and all these things, I'm not talking about being raw and in your face and mean. Some people say, well, I'm just gonna be honest with you. And really what they mean is I'm about to bring a whole lot of truth that might not be truth. I'm bringing truth without a lot of grace. Well, no, I'm not talking about that. We've already, we've already discussed that, okay? But be open and honest. Slow, share your heart as, as genuinely as possible. Be open and honest. Vulnerability, I think we struggle with vulnerability. Now with me, vulnerability is actually something that, that um, um, I, 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 usually, I usually am pretty vulnerable and, and sometimes to a fault because personalities are a big deal. For me, my personality is one that um, I, I, I don't wanna be misunderstood. And so I wanna like talk, I want you, I want you to like 
understand. And, if, and, 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 and like, if I don't feel like there's understanding, I'm gonna keep talking, right? So, so, so with personalities like that, you can, you can be very open and honest and just talk, 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 talk and, and have a lot of vulnerability, but sometimes that's, you open yourself up for, for things to take place, for people to misconstrue your words or whatnot, right? Every, and, and that's just me. You probably have your own kind of take on it and it affects your life differently as well. But at the end of the day, we wanna be vulnerable. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How can someone around you bear your burden with you if you are not vulnerable and open and honest with them? You can't be. In your family, if you're not open with your spouse, if you're not open with your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, if you're not open about how you're feeling about something, they literally cannot come alongside you and support you all the wonderful things that a family can do, it, it, it's, not, it's not gonna happen because there's no, there's no communication. So you have to be open and honest. You have to tell someone for them to be able to hear, right? So be open and honest. Number two, number two check your motives. This is so difficult right here because we think that we know our motives whenever we talk to somebody, but we actually don't. It's why the scripture says, God, would you search my heart? Right in Psalms, he's like, God, would you search my heart? Search the, the thoughts, the motives, the intentions of my heart. Obviously, because I don't know what they are or I think I know what they are, but I could be deceived. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to search us before we take communion. That's why we always pray, God, would you search my heart? Would you expose wickedness? Would you expose sin in me? We, we, it's gotta be exposed, so before you go into a conversation, you might need to pray, God, would you, what is my motives? What are my motives going into this conversation? What am I actually trying to accomplish? Am I trying to prove a point? What, 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 what's going on? Check your motives. Number three, examine your attitude, your state of mind. Maybe the way that you feel even. Examine that. Romans 15 says this, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Man, do you guys want the same attitude that Jesus had towards people? Like, do you want that to, to the people that you're in, in relationship with now? Like, like, I want that. I wanna see people like Jesus sees people. Genuinely. And I cannot do that on my own. I cannot do that by myself. I can't do that in my own power. But I think it's a wonderful prayer, but you have to examine your, before you go into a conversation or maybe you're in the middle of it, what is my attitude right now? What's my state of mind? Where, where, where am I at? Where's my health at? Where, how am I approaching this? And then number four is biblically interact. Interact with one another biblically. What does that mean? I think looking at the fruit of the spirit is a great place to start. Is there love in your heart? Is there love in your interaction? What is love? First Corinthians 13, it's patient, it's kind. You can go read that slowly in your own time. But that's how love looks. Is love operating in this conversation? And am, am I interacting with that? Am I interacting with, with, uh, with, with goodness and gentleness? And peace, are these, are these fruits in this conversation? When a conversation begins to become unbiblical in regards to the way that you're interacting with one another, taking shots at each other, cutting your knees out from each other, uh, uh, becoming defensive or, or all the things that we talked about, stonewalling someone or, or maybe all truth, no grace in those moments, it's like, man, let's stop, let's stop. We've now crossed into a sector of this conversation where it's not fruitful anymore. Right? Self-control. Self-control. Those moments where the words come out your mouth like, like a tube of toothpaste got squeezed and the toothpaste is everywhere and you can't put the toothpaste back, right? The words have come out, they've been said and you're like, I, 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 did, I didn't mean that. Well, maybe you did, Right? Maybe that was actually the truth. And, and you accidentally, it, it, and now you gotta deal with it. There's a whole lot of factors that go into communication. And in my own life, this has been a challenge for many, many years to communicate well. 
And again, I really believe, I genuinely believe that most people, most everybody, I would, I would beg that pretty much all of you in this room today, I mean, you, you came to church, you're, you're watching online, you're still here, you didn't like get mad and leave. Uh, you genuinely, in your heart, you're like, man, there's a lot of good stuff there. And, and I, I want that. I want that in my family. You know, for some of you, you're like, that's just idealism. You know, that's just, yeah, that's idealistic. That's best case scenario, but that's not reality. Man, I don't, I don't know. I think that, that we're always gonna struggle with certain aspects of, of behaving like we believe. But I don't think it's that we should throw it out and cast it to the side and just make excuses for not doing something well. I think we should genuinely and humbly approach this conversation. Before we, next week, we're gonna talk about marriage. The week after that, we're gonna talk about parenting. But honestly, if we don't get this right, it doesn't matter what cool next steps we give you. And if you can't genuinely have the right heart whenever you try to communicate, all of those things are gonna be temporary. They're all gonna be temporary. You know, for some of you, I think maybe you're even looking at this conversation today and you're thinking, man, I've tried to do that in my life and it doesn't work. Maybe, maybe you're in the midst of something right now or, or something happened years ago. And I mean, it's, it's been years, but you, you feel like you almost grew calluses through that communication where you tried to lay it all out there and you, you got rejected or it didn't turn out well. And you kind of like throw your hands up in the air, like, well, I'm not trying that again. I can't help but think about Jesus because Jesus is perfect, right? He was, he was perfect, y'all. Every word that came out of his mouth was proper, was holy. He interacted with his family and his friends from a completely biblical standpoint, right? He did everything right. And yet at the end of the day, most of his disciples left him whenever he needed them the most, right? His family didn't even really trust or believe him for a long time, large portion of his life, some of which not so really after he, he had, was resurrected. He had one of his disciples literally stab him, not literally stab him in the back, but literally like deceive and, and, and sell out, turn his back on him. He, he was perfect in communication and yet still had to deal with the fallout. Why? Because sin breaks all of us. And that's why it's so important that we have forgiveness and forbearance operating in our lives. Today, I know for, for probably all of us, there's something in our lives, there's a conversation that needs to be had or was had, and we have residual effects from that. Maybe it's negative. And I wanna give us a moment right here, right now to go before God and to ask Him to forgive us for being bitter, to ask Him for, to forgive us for holding grudges, and also to ask Him to forgive us for the times that we've been the instigator where our words have not built up where we did not speak with grace and truth. We just brought our truth to the equation and it, and it produced damage. Like, like, this is what I wanna do right now. So come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Jesus, we're humble before you right now. We need you in our lives. God, I just ask that for each and every one of us right now, God, that you would search our hearts. God, that you would expose those things in our hearts that are unhealthy. God, the, the things in our life where we've been poor at communication. God, we might even say a lot of words, but they actually aren't good communication. For some of us, we've maybe clammed up. For others, we've bailed out. Some of our marriages in this place are, are just in a really tough time because we just struggle in this area. God, we just humbly approach you. Father, first off, we, we pray for our own heart. God, that you would forgive us that you'd forgive us, God, where we have not used proper speech, where our heart was in a bad place and we said things. And, and ultimately, Father, it doesn't matter all the excuses that we have. God, we just, it was sin. It was selfishness. We repent right now. God, where there is bitterness, Father, we ask right now that you would soften our hearts. Come on, if you're bitter to somebody, just right now say, Lord, I, I release them. I release them. I commend them to you, Jesus. Where I've been wrong, I repent. Where they've been wrong, I forgive. God, ultimately, I pray that you would help us to do these things out of reverence for what Jesus has done for us. 
God, let that be the thing that we refer to. Let, let the gospel be the lens that we, that we look through and that would always humble us, that would always bring us back to where we need to be, that would always fill us with grace and love for people, that would also be the standard of truth in our life. We need you, God. If you're in this place today, maybe watching online and you're far from God, you really don't have a relationship with him. You don't know Jesus, but you're there. And today you, you feel like God's drawing you to him. You, you feel like today you, you need to kind of like proclaim that you believe in him. Right now, wherever you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the cross. I believe that you died and were, was resurrected to new life for me. That the price of sin is broken over my life because of what you've done for me. I believe in you. I believe in you, Jesus. Save me. Save me from sin and ultimately from death, God, that I could live with you forever. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I wanna take just a couple more minutes and I want us to respond to this and I want us again to look to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, the standard in which we live, the standard of righteousness. And I want us to, to, to reflect upon all the things that we've heard today in light of this song. Let's come on, let's sing this together. Three simple words, God, you reign. And after a powerful service and a powerful time of worship to end with those three words, I was thinking about really that, what that meant. To me, that means that I trust God. In my marriage, as we're talking about communication and my relationships, even with my kids, that I trust God. Amazing way to end our service today. And I am so honored to be a part of a church that we can come and we can worship and we can feel rejuvenated as we come together and, and we worship God, that we can listen to a message that even I even saw Pastor Micah posted today on social media, maybe yesterday or something said, I learned from preaching this message today. I learned from preparing this message. No matter what stage in life you're in, no matter what journey in this Christian walk that you're in, that you can come to a church, that you can feel rejuvenated, that you can feel encouraged, that you can walk away with it, even if it's that one percent or if it's that life change, that that can happen here. And we're so glad that you're a part of this today. So glad you're a part of that with us online. 
and it's an honor to have you guys with us. If that was the, you today and there was that 1% change, if there was that, that life change moment that happened for you today, right in the seat pocket in front of you, or if you're online, northwood.church forward slash next steps, there's a card. We want you to be able to take that card out and be able to just click that, check that box, whatever it might be, and let us know what God's doing in your life. You can drop that off at the Next Step booth back here in the back. There's just a bucket you can drop that in. Or if you want to ask a question, you want to talk to somebody, there's somebody back there that will talk to you and help you, as well as our pastors will be here this week. They'll be able to reach out to you and just, just give you a word of encouragement, pray with you, and talk to you that moment. If you made that life change moment and, and there's something that's on the back, on the back of that card, there's a place for prayer requests. You say, listen, I just need you to pray for me in this particular situation. I need you to pray for me in this moment. I want you to be able to write those prayer requests out. You can drop those off in that next step bucket, next steps bucket, or as well as the end of service when we dismiss, there's going to be our prayer team that's going to be all across the front of this altar. And we'll always want to be able to pray with you and just agree with you that God will do great things in your life. Amen. Hey, listen, there's a couple things I want to share with you guys. If you're a part of the Northwood family, right now, as always, we still have two ways that you can give. You can give online, northwood.church forward slash give, or you can click the little give button at the bottom of the Northwood Church app. You can also mail that in through check. They'll be happy to get that process for you. One thing that I am really, really excited about is coming up here in just two weeks, baptisms. Come on, can y'all give it up for baptisms happening at Northwood Church? No polar plunges happening here at Gulfport. I hear ocean springs maybe in a pool, um, but baptisms are happening in two weeks. Listen, if you've been, you've made that decision, you know, maybe in the last six months, or maybe you made it six years ago, and you haven't taken that next steps in baptism, the Bible's clear, repent and be baptized. We want you to take that next step in baptisms. You can go to northwood.church forward slash baptisms, fill out that form, and we'll, we'll be in touch with you and would love to be a part of that next step process with you. Also, the lastly, one thing that starts today, anybody know what starts today? I knew that was coming from you. I knew it. Small groups start today. We are so excited. And small groups are starting. Small groups is the lifeblood of this church. The small groups are the lifeblood of what we do, that you get to be connected with people. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of meaningful conversations. A lot of meaningful conversations happen throughout the week. We have dinner, we have coffee or whatever. But this is an opportunity for a meaningful conversation centered around Christ. A meaningful conversation that centers around how can we be better as the community of believers. So we want you guys to get connected in small groups, northwood.church forward slash small groups. If you haven't done so, go ahead and go online, get that taken care of. And we want to be able to like again, connect with you and do life with you guys each and every week. Listen, happy Valentine's Day. We love you. Love on your kids. Love on your spouse. Love on your partners. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.